Welcome back to our second episode of Blue Resilience. I think the first episode went okay. I think it went pretty well. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. We got some good traction on that first episode. I think a lot of people were interested, and I think people were surprised by the statistics that we were able to lay out on that episode, which was really eye-opening and kind of fascinating. So I'm glad to be back for this episode two, and I hope everyone is enjoying it. I will say that if anyone has anything that they would like to have addressed, if they want topics to be covered, make a comment uh, on the Facebook page when we post this or on social media. We'll make sure we look over those and and address uh, some topics that you might want to hear about. This is a great opportunity. Share some exciting things that are are happening in our department and uh, give you the information you need. Absolutely. There's so much stuff going on and we want to cover it all and we also want to know what you want to know as well. So uh, don't be afraid to ask on on our social media pages about about what you want to hear and want us to talk about. But before we get into all that, we want to kind of focus on what we were and expand on what we were talking about in our last episode. That's those alarming statistics that Angel had brought up. And if you could just kind of recap those statistics for maybe people who didn't tune into the last episode. And if you want to listen to that last episode, it is posted on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, wherever wherever you get listen to your podcasts. You can also go back to our Facebook page and listen to it there. But can you kind of recap those statistics that we went over in that last episode in case uh, and get people caught up? Definitely. Just as a quick refresher and a, and a reminder again of how difficult and how challenging it can be to be an officer. We talked about uh, the critical incidents and how for the regular people, just like you and me, Colby, we experience one to five critical incidents in a lifetime. And, and that can be extremely challenging to get through and to navigate, but for any given officer, they can see one to five in a, in a shift. And so we just talked about how, how, how much exposure to trauma uh, officers uh, go through uh, and the challenges around that. Another statistic is that's very important is that uh, the lifespan, the average lifespan of an officer or the life expectancy is 58. The rest of us, it's 75. And so that's, there's a big gap there. There's reasons why as far as uh, why that number is so much lower for an officer. And finally, uh, at retirement, we all look forward to that time where we can travel and just enjoy a time uh, where we don't have to work. We can just do whatever we want. For many of us, we, we live and we expect to live uh, 20, hopefully 30 years. Uh, for an officer, it's three to five years. And those are extremely you know, alarming statistics, and, and we kind of just want to dive right into that. Is this a fixable problem? If it is a fixable problem, how can we fix it, and what are you doing to help with that? That's such a good question, Colby, and it's not an easy answer, but quick response to that would be, no, it's not fixable, and the reason why is because trauma is unending, right? The challenges of the world and that we face and what officers have to put themselves in is going to continue as we move forward. However, there are many things that we can do as a community and as a department to surround the officers to best we can to mitigate or to minimize the impact of the work that they do. So there is a lot of things that we can do to be more proactive, more preventative measures to hold up the officers as best we can and so that they can be as healthy as possible and in turn help the community be as healthy as possible. And just to remind the listeners, what is it that you do here, Angel? What is it that, what is your position here at APD? Uh, The position that I do is, uh, I do holistic work. I do wellness work with 
not just officers, but all the employees of the APD. And we're trying to reach out to also support the families of the officers, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, anything that we can do to, to support them and help hold them up as they serve. So I would say that there are two really big topics that you're looking to cover, mental health and physical health. So let's dive into those individually and let's start with mental health. What is it that we've implemented here at APD to better the mental health of our officers? Well, first of all, we one of the crucial pieces that has helped us in dealing with the mental health of, of our officers is implementing a mental health professional, someone who actually is credentialed and specializes in, and has an expertise in the realm of mental health. And so we've been fortunate enough to partner through a grant, and we have established uh, Dr. Stacy Chiquette. She has a PhD. She is a forensic and organizational psychologist. And she's a tremendous, if, if you have time, you should look her up at obsidianfs.com. You can see her work. But she has come in here and has done a tremendous job in helping us. And that's something that we haven't had here in all the years at APD. This is brand new to the department. Have you seen that the officers are really open to this and are they, are they taking a liking to it? Like in everything, there's always challenges when you, when you start doing some new things or you're creating change. But no doubt about it, there's a lot of appreciation, and especially on the one-on-one -on -one conversations that I've had with the officers. Stacy has done a tremendous job in, in educating us and, and helping us learn on how to take care of ourselves, how to be more resilient, how to see symptoms uh, and be mindful of these symptoms that could that could hurt us in the long run. And we've had many trainings where she's been here all day giving uh, teachings on different ways to uh, look out for things like burnout, like uh, compassion fatigue, and so on and so forth. She's bringing a lot of awareness to the topic of mental health, and I think that awareness is opening the doors for people to be able to take care of themselves. She's also given us resources. Uh, there's a lot of, of good resources out there that maybe some of the officers did not know about, and she's helping us, giving us that clarity on all the amazing resources that are out there to help them with their mental health. When it comes to policing and being a police officer, you think, you know, okay, I have to be tough, can't show my emotions, I have to put on this face and this image that I'm tough and I, and I don't let things bother me. But do you tell, Todd, when you talk to officers, do you ask them or do you tell them, like, you know, it's okay to be vulnerable, like, speak to me, open up, let me hear what's really going on? I think that's been part of the challenge, right, as law enforcement, as, as you know, you look at throughout the, throughout the years and throughout the history of law enforcement, that has kind of been uh, the mindset. You have to be tough, right, because you're out there doing some dangerous things and trying to keep people safe. And so, you had to kind of put up this this front of like, man, I'm strong and, and I can't be weak. I have to be strong in order to help others. And so there was a there was a culture that again I have to be very uh, careful and sensitive to because I have not been in all of those environments. But I think just overall from from my perspective, you know, I see that that culture is changing. We're now moving into a space where we're saying it's okay. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to seek help when you need it. And so I'm very proud and excited about 
some of the things we're doing here to that shows that the leadership of the Auburn Police Department is saying, hey, we want you to take care of yourself. And one of the biggest things that we've developed is something that we're calling as the wellness room. And when you, when you say that you're proud and excited, I can see it, how excited and proud you are of how, how far this program has come since you started here. Can you kind of talk to a little bit about this this wellness room and what that brings to the table? Oh, absolutely. I think the wellness room is a space within the department that that is dedicated space to allow the officers to know that, hey, you if you need to take care of yourself, here's a space where we want you to go in there and everything in that room under the guidance of Dr. Stacy, um, everything in there scientifically proven to help with mental health. We have things in there like ice packs. There's ice packs. And you think, what's the big deal about ice packs? Well, ice packs, when, when you put on the ice pack, it decreases your heart rate. It slows your breathing. It decreases both physical and cognitive symptoms of anxiety and panic. And so it's a way to help them kind of minimize the anxiety. Who would have thought something as small as an ice pack would be so helpful? Exactly. And, and, and in there, we also have a TV screen. And a retro Nintendo console, and you would think, what, 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 why are we doing that? We want them to just play games. But when you when you look at the science and the evidence, playing a game that's visual and engaging, and something that's not too hard, it's not it's not violent. It's just something like Super Mario Brothers. If if we give them an opportunity, it's been proven that it can disrupt the neurological pathways associated with PTSD, depression, and anxiety if it's played within several hours of exposure to a traumatic event. And so when, when we have someone who has returned from a critical incident call, very stressful, very traumatic, if they're able to have access to that room for just 10 minutes, it will do a tremendous job in helping them recover, helping them cope, helping them heal. Another thing that we have in there is a like a little sandbar, a little space where they can actually just like move around sand and not quite sure what's the name of that product. But what's really cool about that product is, that, again, it's a, a way to distract the mind, a way to just kind of forget about their situations or the stress and just Give them a moment or two to just be able to relax. And finally, one more thing I want to add. We even have some candy in there that's the tough candy that when, when they're chewing the candy, it's associated when you're really stressed out and when you're in an intense moment, your jaw, you know, you tense your jaw. And so using that kind of candy that forces them to chew also allows them to decompress. And now this room has been open for a couple months now. Have you found that officers are using it and enjoying it? When I talk to officers individually, especially individually, I mean, you you definitely, uh, there's a sense of like enjoyment and just appreciation of that room. Now, is everyone using that room? No. <laughs> you know, for some people, uh, it, it may just make take more time. Maybe they still have their own ways of coping and they, they, they find that they have their own methods of making sure they're, they're staying healthy. But overall, we're seeing a lot of officers enjoying and appreciating that room and for, what it, for what it means to them and, and the statement we are making. 
switching gears now from mental health to physical health, just as important. What are we doing uh, to help with that? We are fortunate enough to have a, a gym space where we're building up equipment so that the officers can take care of their bodies. And again, I want to remind the listeners that not just officers, but we want everyone, everyone and wherever you're at, whatever career you're in, taking care of your physical bodies is important. I think most people would agree with that. Now, APD has always had a gym, but what since you've been here, what have you done to that gym to make it even better? Well, I think, again, I appreciate you saying that because this is not a work that I started. I'm just building off of the good work that has already been done. And, and basically what we've done, and, and I work with fitness coaches, and so these are officers and detectives and commanders, people within the APD that have taken extra steps to get certifications on fitness to be able to help other officers or colleagues or non-commissioned personnel to be able to utilize the gym depending on what fitness goals they might have. And so together, collectively, we just continue to build and add and, and do things in that space to be able to meet the needs of the officers. And it's not just the gym. I mean, pickleball tournaments, basketball tournaments. What was that? You had that, uh, it was like a relay race or it was like a uh, what was that race, you, that endurance oh, well, race we, you guys had? We, we were a part of the Tough Mudder event Tough that Mudder, happens yeah. every year in Seattle. Yeah. Anything, uh, again, engaging in physical activities, right? And, um, and, and some of those physical activities involves connecting with the community and just building relationships. And again, I, to give you an example of why this is so important, there's a book called Emotional Survival for Law Enforcement by Dr. Kevin Gilmartin. And I would recommend everyone to read this book, especially if you're, if you're interested in seeing a perspective of how it, it's like for a family uh, who is in law enforcement and what that's like and the effects of the job. And one of the things that Dr. Gilmartin talks about is hypervigilance and the amount of hypervigilance that officers are exposed to on a daily basis and what it takes to recover from that. And uh, one of the points in the book uh, talks about how doing cardio, right, making sure you spend time in, in, in physical activity, especially cardio, can really help in counteracting the effects of constant hypervigilance. And again, why is that important is because, again, the healthier the officers are, the better they will be able to perform their responsibility in the community. And again, I, I want to bring up a very important point that I'm really passionate about as well. And it's something that I at first did not really have this awareness or understanding, but now I'm very passionate about. And that is, we need to see our officers like professional athletes. And what do I mean by that? When we think about professional athletes, we would not be surprised to know that when they go to their facilities, they're in there with state-of-the-art facilities, right, to be able to take care of their physical bodies. But what else do they have? They have access to cold plunge. They have access to massage therapy. They have access to all kinds of things to make sure that when it comes to their that competition or the day where they have a game or when they're ready to compete, that they are performing to the best of their ability. Well, I think and I believe we need to see officers. They're not playing a game. This is about 
life and death. This is about safety. This is about things we cannot really measure. And we as a community, I believe, would we would want our officers to perform to the best of their abilities. And that means they need to be at their best mentally and physically. And that's what I was just about to say. So someone might respond to that and say, these people get paid to do a job. You know, I don't get these all these things when I go to, you know, do, to do my job. So why do the officers get to do this when they get paid to come here every day? So what would you say in response to that? Just, you know, better officers, better community? I think number one, I think number one, I would encourage the listener to do a ride along. Come and see. You know, I think then there's there's a some steps that you would have to take in order to do a ride along. But come and see, see what they do. And I think that will give a more awareness as to what the job entails. I mean, imagine carrying equipment for 20, 30 years every single day and having to operate with all of this equipment that, that, that keeps them safe and also keeps others safe, right? And so when you really understand what, the, what they need to do in order to perform, right, all, the, all of the decisions that they're making, all of the ways they have to manipulate their body and, and whatnot, I mean, it just makes sense. I mean, we have actually are doing a study. We have a physical therapist we're partnering with, and we've done a study in surveys, and 32 people have gone through that study and, and we've already, and by the way, this is ongoing. This is something we're looking towards in the future. There's nothing finalized, but we're already seeing the effects of the job when it comes to shoulder pain, neck pain, lower back pains, all kinds of pains all throughout their bodies that they're having to navigate and work through as they're doing their job. And so anything that we can to be more preventative, to be more proactive so that they don't suffer a more serious injuries. That's part of the reasons why it's very important that we do everything we can to make sure that they're as physically fit as possible. Well, I thank you for explaining all this so that everyone knows what's happening. And I I will state this money, where is this money coming from? Is it the taxpayer dollars or is it secured through grants? (laughs) <laughs> you know, if people want to know. That's a very good question. Say, am I paying for this or what? <laughs> I'm sure someone is listening saying, hey, am I paying for this? That's a good question. And just know that all of the things that we are working with, man, has been through amazing grants. And so hopefully, you know, through these grants, wellness grants, we have been able to do. And there's some more things we're doing that I'm sure we'll talk about in future episodes. But some of the things that we are we are seeking to do, Uh, in order to support our officers better. Well, that's it for episode two. Again, these episodes come out weekly, monthly. It just kind of depends when we get around to doing it. So we appreciate you staying tuned, listening, download this once it becomes available, and uh, your support really helps us. And we want to know from you. We want to know what you want to know about. Obviously, a lot of people have a lot of questions about APD and what we do here. So Leave a comment on our social media pages, and we'll start to address those comments in future episodes. So make sure you do that. Angel, any last words? No, we just appreciate you listening. We believe that the more our community is able to understand what really happens uh, within the walls of the Auburn Police Department, the better uh, it's going to be for everyone. And so we want, we want to inform you. We want you to understand and know what these amazing men and women do within these walls in order to keep us safe so we appreciate your support we appreciate your feedback and we
we appreciate your question. And with that, we'll uh, we'll end it. Thanks for joining.